Welcome to the Sullivan Strumpf podcast. I'm Ursula Sullivan. And I'm Joanna Strumpf. Today we have an incredible podcast with Tony Albert and the fantastic Sally Brand. Sally Brand is curator of an incredible show by Tony Albert at the Canberra Glassworks, which is now open. Sally is program manager at the National Gallery of Australia and has been a longtime friend of Tony Albert's. They talk about art, racism, Australian history and the fragility of the whole ecosystem. One of the great losses of COVID-19 is not having the benefit of Tony coming into the gallery and spreading the incredible positivity and um, great energy that he has within him. So I hope you guys enjoy this too. So, um. I want to start with an acknowledgement that I'm on the beautiful lands of the Ngunnawal and the Ngambri people here in Chile, Canberra, and also acknowledge you as a First Nations man and artist and your family and any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people that might be listening. We're going to talk about art, racism and Australian history today. And to start this conversation, I think it's really important that we also acknowledge that while we did both grow up in Brisbane, beautiful sunny Brisbane and we've worked together and been friends for a really long time. We've also had two very different experiences of race in this country. My family came to Australia by boats from Latvia and Scotland and Ireland, whereas your family on your father's side have been here living in this country for thousands of generations. And I would also like to acknowledge the Turrbal and Yagara people of Brisbane, where I currently am as well, um, back in Queensland. Still a long way from home, but still in the same state. So I actually come from far north Queensland, from about Townsville, reaching up to Cairns, Cooktown, Hope Vale. So this exhibition is your first in glass and follows a six-week residency at the Canberra Glassworks. What first excited you about glass and what did you learn about glass in the preparation for this show? my work is or has you know a lot to do with the conceptual and for me what that means is when I decide what I want to do I pick the best medium for that to come across but glass came about through an invitation and I don't take these kind of things very lightly I mean it certainly intrigued me for sure and the more I did get to think about it the more there was a relationship between what I was doing and the media of glass. There's that fragility of nature. There's that tension, yet there's that strength as well. I mean, I, I investigated glass to the point where I realized glass actually isn't even fragile. It's so strong. It is liquid and it's solid. That tension is what all my work is about and the opportunity to go to a place like Glassworks and understand not only more about what I was doing, but actually work with the best glass institution in Australia. So that kind of thing excites me because when I know what I want to do, I pick the best people possible to work with because that's the kind of execution I want in my work. So for the Biennale in Sydney, curated by Brooke Andrew, which is such an important statement of First Nations solidarity and globally connected practices. You premiered a stained glass window on the grounds of the National Art School based on your brother's series, which is now almost 10 years old. I just wonder if you could share how you conceived this work for the Biennale and, and why it's important that it's in the Biennale this year. What is so interesting is 
an answer even a month ago would be so different to what it is now. But let's go back to the beginning and just even being involved in the Biennale. I had met with, with the director, Brooke Andrews, several times, and I was telling him about amazing things that I'd seen. Uh, you know, oh, I've just been in Alice Springs, and this is a First Nations-led Biennale. It is so important. What needs to be in it? When Brooke finally said to me, Tony, what would you do? It wasn't a consideration really that he was asking for me to be involved. And I was so excited. I'd never been involved in a Sydney Biennale before, let alone what I would consider the most important ever. And that offered up a whole lot of opportunity within the spaces of the Biennale. So there's Cockatoo Island, the MCA, the Archaeology of New South Wales, Campbelltown. And of course, Brooke extended those barriers and was really trying to look at, you know, even Western Sydney and the very different areas that people don't often think of when they think of Sydney. And the National Art School really interested me because of its history. But on a site visit, noticing this massive, big stained glass window actually in the centre of the campus itself, based on the idea of the prodigal son, which immediately kind of sets my hairs on my arm on edge. Eerie, hauntingly beautiful opportunity to collaborate with a work that resonates so strongly with me. Why do I keep going back to this brother's work? What is this target that we're wearing that just won't go away? All, of course, was intertwined with a potential possibility of working at Glassworks, and, and to me, that's, that's how things happen. And, and I don't think those things happen randomly. I think they happen because they're meant to happen. And that's where the, the, the windows of the brothers existed. And I decided to do a set that were coloured and also a set that were clear, which really, again, fits into not only the concept of my work, but challenge me and I hope the staff and the, the fabricators and the amazing talent that is there that, you know, I don't go into something also with this intent on, oh, I might finish this or this is my plan. I go in going full steam ahead. I want to try everything. I want to do everything, start early and late. You make the most of any opportunities you can as an artist because you really know that it could be your last. <laughs> I think you'll be okay, don't <laughs> No, I, 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 I don't take anything for granted. So the work in the Glassworks show is a clear stained glass window of the Brothers series. How do you think people will read it at this point in time? Well, now we find ourselves in probably the greatest race-related global pandemic, for worse a word, that is revolutionary. It's changing so much about the vernacular about privilege and understanding of who we are and why we are that way. For a person of colour, this goes so much further than a death in custody. This is systematic, institutionalised brutality, which has been here since the beginning of colonisation for us. I'm so sad, yet I'm so inspired. It's uplifting to see what is happening and the way in which it is happening it's a scary world when you leave people with nothing. Your greatest enemy is someone who has nothing to lose. And that is a situation we find ourselves in. And I'm struck by, you know, who we are as a new generation of people. We've seen our great-grandparents ask. We've seen our grandparents ask. We've seen our parents ask. That teaches us that history repeats itself. We're not asking anymore. We are demanding, we are telling, we are saying that this is the way it's going to be. It's a strong 
bold move. It is going to change the world forever, I think. I think that's a really optimistic outlook on it. And I think it is a really tough time because we are talking about the death of George Floyd in the United States. But we can talk about other names. We can talk about Kumanjayi Walker, shot by police while you were on residency at Glassworks last year. The Brothers series is so connected to the death of Trevon Martin in 2012 in the States. And also the Brothers series relating to a very specific incident in King's Cross with young Aboriginal boys being brutalised by police. For me, it's the first time where the allies of this movement are being vocal. They're understanding that you are the bodyguard for someone else. Your white privilege gives you the opportunity to be a buffer between these situations. If you are, you know, anti-racist, anti-institutional brutalization, then you are also for women's rights and you are also for refugee rights and you don't pick or choose. You are for queer rights. It becomes human. And that's what is important, I think, about is what happened now. It is an understanding from us all that we are all part of this. And that, that is something that I see um, different to what has happened in the past. And that is why this is so important. I love your optimism. And it, it's something that I just see in your work as well, is that generosity and the saying that we're all in this, we need to step up. We need to ask difficult questions of ourselves. We need to think about the future and think about the future that we want for our children. And you do that in a way with your work where you invite people into the conversation. It's a learnt experience and the real genuine old people I know, life happens through grace and humility. And even if you're at a point in your life where you need to bear arms, you can do that with grace and you can do it with humility. You can decide the way in which you communicate with people. And that can be done in many, many different ways. But, you know, the greatest gift I feel I've ever been given has been by those old people and it has been about the way in which I act and interact with people and I carry that with me. And talking about people that have come before us and that have been really important in in both of our lives, and I'm talking here about the artist Gordon Bennett, who's a fellow Queenslander, and he's played a really important role in your practice. He was such a beautiful man and so generous with what he wanted to do and so quiet in himself, but his paintings are so loud, but they are very generous. He really wanted people to engage in those stories with grace, you know, that he found such trauma in the history of this country since colonisation. He was just doing things so much before anyone else that I think that there was a level of almost misunderstanding of how powerful those works actually are. I look at them and think, I don't think I could do that now. I would not have the strength. I do not have the artistic rigor or the talent to pull something off that questions something so vividly with such impact, with such grace. And they're 10 times bigger than what you think. And they're they're mazes that you have to pull apart. The nuances of his work comes from, you know, his brilliant autobiography, The Art of Gordon Bennett, which was a true life changer, you know, hands down changed my life forever. Not even understanding what nuance meant, peeling the skin off his face in that work. And it's become a favorite word of mine now. You know, it, it simply is those shades of difference. And when you look at a color scale or even the black and white through its entirety, 
those shades of difference go on forever. One of the things Gordon was really interested in his practice from the late 80s and the early 1990s was the exploration of the image of Cook and his lack of ability to recognise the ownership and sovereignty of the land and that it was this misrecognition that brought so much trauma to this country. And at Glassworks, you started to sample last cook memorabilia. It's really interesting because it was kind of a side project. And in the back of my mind this year was always this potential to do something based on that. I'd been collecting the ephemera and the memorabilia going, you know, it's 250 years. We have a government which is committing $50 million to yet another memorial of this same man that has memorial all over the bloody country on a, in a landscape which is barren of any Indigenous indicators of life, let alone other important people in Australian history that are so heroic and did so much. No women. You know, you just want to bang your head against the wall. So, yeah, I had all these beautiful commemorative plates that people hang on their wall and they decorate their house with this fraught history with such a lack of historical truth that I wanted to physically intervene with them. What did you create with the sandblasting technique? A lot of skulls. And, you know, because it wasn't just about the death that happened on arrival. It was the death that they took with them. The way in which, you know, bodies exist in the world within the caverns of museums. They're just simple juxtapositions. But again, always in art, I push something to the furthest degree that I can and then pull it back and find where that that tension sits at its best and it's usually right back at the start but you've got to push something to its furthest to understand well that was just such an amazing conversation between two friends tony albert is known for his positivity in the face of adversity i know i loved hearing them discuss gordon bennett uh, the word that sort of comes back is grace and tony has that grace in him as well yeah i agree it's given us all something to consider about the way we go about our lives Thank you, Tony and Sally. If you'd like to hear more of our podcasts, you can head to Stitcher, to Spotify, or wherever you find quality podcasts. And if you want to learn more about Tony as well, head to our website, www.sullivanstrumpf.com. And while you're on the website, why don't you subscribe? Go to the contact page, select if you'd like to receive monthly, weekly, or everything, and you'll be kept up to date with all things Sullivan Strumpf. Thanks for listening.